Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. We had a little NFL action last week with the quarterback rankings and tiers. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. Getting into the football swing of things. It's not what we're talking about for the most part here, because it's still full-fledged baseball season for most of the fans in New York. (laughs) The Yankees are in it, baby. The Mets, not so much. We'll get into both of those things, of course, with the DH himself. Just the lone DH. Andrew Kalanya. What's up, my brother? How's it going? Uh, Ready to talk uh, all things uh, sports and really the topics that are on not only the sports players' mind, but uh, the nation's mind as well. Have you seen the uh, Spider-Man trailer? Of course. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, What just happened? Uh, that was great. Uh, I would love to talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about that for a second. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't know you were going to. That was fantastic. I don't want to like go too deep and too nerdy here, but uh, I have two questions for you. The first one sure. is, yeah, what's good with Doctor Strange's uh, sanctum over here? Why is it snowing? Mm. Why is it all snowy in Doctor Strange's sanctum? Just kind of weird. You think it's just gonna be like, oh yeah, I missed a couple winters when I was uh, missing the blip, so I wanted some more cold weather. Is it the bifrost that broke through the roof? It's just been cold in there ever since. Mm. I don't know. That's one. And then two, what's just good with Doctor Strange in general? Why is he doing that spell? Is he just an ego guy? Is somebody playing him? Like what's what's going on over here? I don't. I don't. I honestly, uh, I was talking to Alec actually before about this, and uh, yeah, I, I love I'm how not I love how that, that wasn't in our group chat. That's fucking rude. I'm yeah. just gonna say that out right now. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, blew, I blew up a spot. Um, I, I, we're in agreement here that uh, we actually don't think that it's actually Doctor Strange. Me too. At all. Let's go. You, you know. Wow. I would love to be a part of that if, conversation. If you've, uh, if you were. Um, into the deep dives of like WandaVision, yes. there was a, a villain called Mephisto. Uh, well, that the, was in like the deep dives, like he a, wasn't in WandaVision. Wasn't everyone was speculating yes. that Mephisto was was in WandaVision or was gonna be, but now everyone's thinking like, I, I guess like everyone's just gonna keep guessing that Mephisto is just gonna show up at some point, and then they'll be right eventually. Well, there's there's you two know. things about Mephisto here. One was the the image of Peter Parker, aka Tom Holland. Uh, in the background in New York City with devil horns driven on it, drawn yep. on him. So that's obviously a, a tip of the cap to Mephisto. But mm-hmm. there's apparently all this legal issue with the country of China being so anti-devil that Marvel's too afraid to bring Mephisto in because China's such a big revenue pocket. You know what I mean? So now we're in the weeds for sure, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm here for Mephisto. Another thing I heard that is interesting... And this is to people who don't care. They're just like, dude, what? <laughs> but it's okay. Um, it there's so much happening already. You got uh, Doc Ock back in the mix. You got the Green Goblin little pumpkin bomb that showed up. Like that means Green do, is do, William do, Defoe back in the do, mix. Do you think it's William Defoe? Or do I, you think it's? Um, I think it's William or, Defoe. It's the same exact design uh, design of that Green Goblin ball, unless it's uh, who played uh, his son. Unless he's James back. Franco. James Franco. Right. I think it's James Franco. It could be James no, Franco, think. but it's probably not James Franco. <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. They're both technically dead in that universe, I believe. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, there's just wild stuff happening. I cannot wait. December 17th. We have a couple other Marvel stuff uh, that's coming between now and then. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a multiverse of madness, some would say. Some would say. Yeah. Oh. It's very, 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 very hyped for, like, you know, I, I saw like the trailers for Eternals and Shang Chi, and I was just like, eh, it looks okay. It looks like a you know typical Marvel stuff, but like this is like Spider Man is what like really has gotten the 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 juices pumping for for superhero content. I'm just gonna say Spider Man best superhero. Yeah, oh, I, okay. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a hot take. No, I don't think so either. And I think it's a take that needs to be just said out loud more. So there it is. Um, let's talk about some other stuff before we get into the actual stuff because. We also got other stuff. So, obviously, football season is basically here. We're in the midst of preseason. 
we are in the early parts-ish, depending on where you're at or what type of league you're in, of the fantasy football drafting circuit. I would say the best time to do it is, you know, a week and a half to the first game, like in that time frame. But some people do it earlier. I've had one. I have one tomorrow. So, you know, we're out here doing fantasy drafts. So it's you're, early. Uh, it's early. early. Early for my liking. Travis Etn, yeah. more like Travis E.T. out for the season. Um, yeah. <laughs> too soon? Sorry. Uh, are you uh, do, Are you playing fantasy football this year, Andrew? I, I, I am. I am. I have, the, I have my uh, punishment league where uh, whoever comes in uh, last place Usually has to do something, uh, something, something outrageous. Last year, uh, the loser had to eat uh, the world record hot dogs uh, in a month's time time frame. So somebody had so, to uh, eat seventy something 70, hot dogs. Seventy five hot, seventy five hot dogs in, in one 30 month. Thirty days. Oh my god! Thirty days. Did that person feel terrible. Like what happened? <laughs> what was the side uh, effects yeah. here? I need to know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he gained like he gained like four pounds because he's like super into working outs, but he didn't eat the buns. He ate some buns. He didn't Cheater. eat all the buns. Yeah. Let's listen to get to get him on board. It, it was a, uh, you Mom, know, mama ain't raised no cheater. I'm doing mustard ketchup bun on every dog. Oh. Well, that's not, honestly though. That's not how Joey Chestnut does it. He just goes no, bun he just dog in the water. Wet yeah. a wet sloppy hot dog. You know, oh. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Well, yeah, and our, I think our draft is like early. It's got to be earlier than the, the next week or two because uh, one of our friends. They're inducing his wife on uh, my friend Steve inducing yeah. his wife on uh, September like eighth or something like that. So six or six, seventh or eighth, one of those days. So we gotta have the draft a little bit before then. Oh my gosh, that's like some serious stuff right there. Oh my, that's like yeah. you know we gotta work. Oh sorry, I can't do Tuesday. Uh, my wife's going into labor. <laughs> labor. <laughs> yeah. That's intense. exactly. I hope exactly. all goes can't well. Do, can't do the draft then. Yeah, he'll be in the hospital room with his gown on, his phone. Like, Why is this not working? You're wearing gloves. Uh, anyways, let's move on from that. I actually shout out to Steve. What, yeah, shout out Steve and his and his uh, lovely wife. Hopefully, everything goes well there. I did have one punishment idea that I kind of jacked off one of my friends, and it's <laughs> <laughs> this. This is going well already. I uh, <laughs> I uh, stole off one of my friends. And yeah. he he was just being a goofball one day and was like, yeah, we should all go. We should go to Buffalo Wild Wings, order the hottest wings, bring them in the car, turn the heat up, eat them with no napkins and then drive home. Like just I don't know what why <laughs> that those words came out of his mouth, but it, it made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And now I'm I'm putting that in as that should be the punishment for last yeah. place in our fantasy team. You got to go in your car eat a dozen hot, hot, hot wings with the heat on full blast and with no napkins, then you have to drive home. It's just a miserable experience alone. <laughs> just really, really hate yourself for a little while there. So I don't know if that's a good or bad punishment, but that's, pretty, that's, that, that's pretty good. Uh, another one for us was um, the person, the loser had to go to a WNBA game by themselves and uh, mm. send, uh, send updates to the group. That's like just a little creepy. You know, yeah. to ride solo at a WNBA game. That's a, oh, yeah. That's just a little. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's a tough sell. Um, but yeah, that's good. On uh, I, I never actually have done a fantasy football punishment league, so I'm looking forward to hopefully me and my friends can land on something here because you know what happens. One guy comes in with a, a punishment idea, and it's like the most ridiculous thing of all time. Right? Yeah, or it's got to be. It's got to be reasonable, like. You know, we had someone change like their license plate and like oh, someone wanted good. to like someone, someone had it. <laughs> someone good. had to someone had like the idea of like putting like dicks for kids as for uh, I'm like, but it's the guy's a teacher. So like you can't you can't do that, obviously. Yeah. So like you had to it was a uh, we ended up he's a big Mets fan. So we had him a uh, Kansas City uh, World Series champion uh, yep. license plate. So he, he had uh, uh, that was his license plate for like two and a half years. What about this idea? I thought this was a good one. You have to go on your Instagram live without any context. You can't explain. And you just have to acapella a whole Disney song. <laughs> like That's you're, fantastic. Like you just I'm go on. That one. You just like turn on your Instagram live. Like you give it a few seconds. You don't explain why you're there. You just like, <clears throat> uh, you know. Just gonna wait a moment and, and, and belt under the sea. Yeah, and then you just start a whole new world, and you have to sing the whole song a cappella with no explanation. I think that would be 
That'll be pretty good. I'm I'm pushing for both of those. I bet none get picked and and we'll move on. But uh, yeah, have fun with your fantasy drafts. We're gonna be talking football and some fantasy stuff that I have some ideas for throughout the season here. So it's gonna be good. I do have one more football thing real quick. This is an actual football take for y'all and for you, Andrew. Um, mm-hmm. So before we get to the Yankees and Mets, an actual sports topic and not this nonsense that we've uh, babbled on for ten minutes on. So here we go. I think I considered what would be the Giants' worst nightmare this year, Andrew. And Mm -hmm. it has to do with the Jets semi-directly. Like, in general, it's not a one-to-one to to the Jets, but the Jets have a lot to do with it because they're in different places that are close in theory but can separate very quickly and perhaps not in the Giants' favor. So this is what I think is the Giants' worst nightmare. Daniel Mm -hmm. Jones being the question mark. There's two outcomes mm. that I'd be happy with. One would be Daniel Jones comes out here and shuts me up and makes plays and puts the ball in the end zone and looks like a real quarterback, a guy who can be considered a true top half of the league quarterback. And th- and they win some games. They win nine games. Maybe they make a playoff push. But we know, okay, Daniel Jones deserves a handful of more years of opportunity. He proved that he has some juice. That's a good outcome, right? We could all agree on that. Another good outcome for me is if he looks terrible and he just goes wrong, more turnovers, less touchdowns, just bad, right? Because then we know we have to move on. They haven't invested big money in him yet. It's a perfect time to start to cut bait and to consider the next options. That's a good outcome for me. That's one I think is likely. But the one that scares me the most that I think is the worst nightmare for the New York Giants is Daniel Jones looking just about meh. And he comes out and he throws 22 touchdowns and 12 interceptions or 14 interceptions, still gets sacked a lot, doesn't make the big plays, red zone efficiency still meh or bad, and the Giants go 8-9 and or 9-8 and or 8-8-1 or something along those lines, and they're on the teetering mark of the playoffs, and there's excitement around the Giants team, but there's this looming dark cloud over the franchise where it's like, wait, Daniel Jones ran for 80 yards on one play, the fastest 40 time for a quarterback outside Lamar Jackson. He's great. Danny Dimes, he threw a dime to Kenny Galladay, and then he he threw a pick, and he fumbled, and he got sacked four times today. That is what I'm worried about most. And the reason the Jets come into the consideration here is because I think the Giants can easily have a better season, as they're projected to, than the New York Jets right now. But looking at Zach Wilson and what he's looked like in preseason, I don't really care about preseason, but he has looked good. You have to tip your cap. If Zach Wilson proves that he might be a franchise-level quarterback and they only win five games, that's fine. They're not expected to win many games this year. They're on the right path. They got a guy, a dude they can trust. They got a coach in Robert Sala they can trust. So maybe you can compare Joe Judge and Robert Sala and say they're both great. But if Zach Wilson comes out and proves to be a franchise guy, and Daniel Jones looks more average than ever, this is when the the separation becomes bigger and the Jets take steps to from five wins to eight wins, from eight wins to nine. All of a sudden, Zach Wilson's third or fourth year, they're 10, they're 10 plus wins and they're fighting for a good playoff spot. And Daniel Jones is still winning eight games. That's my worst yeah, they nightmare. Can't, they, can't, they can't Sam Darnold this, uh, you know, for much longer. And how, how many games would you give... What's Daniel Jones's leash? Do you think for this season? No, he gets the whole season. Yeah, he gets the whole so? season this year. Yes, I think he gets the whole season. A, unless because he's a, unless he's an abomination, there's not really anyone behind him who's worthwhile no. to give to give that time to. Like who who is even their their uh, lead backup right now? Uh, couldn't tell you. Yeah, I mean, I can't either, and that's because I haven't. He hasn't played preseason, and I haven't watched any no, preseason really. So. I don't think there's a leash on him this year. He has an extremely he has the longest leash possible, or he's free roaming like my dog. He's just going to run around me for thirty minutes in uh, in the park, and I won't Mike, be able to get her. Mike Glennon is the backup quarterback, right? So what are we doing? We're going to really give the ball to Mike yeah. Glennon and expect anything? Like maybe if we are winning in spite of Daniel Jones, like to the max, and somehow this team is like seven and three, which is not going to happen. But just say that happens, and Daniel Jones's numbers are still trash, and he looks bad. He's getting sacked and turning the ball over, and the defense is carrying everybody. Then maybe you just you rip the bandaid off, but I highly doubt that. I think you run him out there the whole season. I'm just worried. Does that worry you? 
because I don't know if I'm alone here. I am most, I think most likely that's what's going to happen is he's going to have an average enough season where we look at him and say, we got to give him another year. He showed some progress. He did a few things, but deep down, I think that I know he ain't got it, man. It just isn't it. It hasn't been there yet. And I'm not expecting huge turnarounds from throwing 11 touchdowns last year and having seven games. I've said this on the podcast three times, seven games last year with zero passing touchdowns shouldn't happen. No, he's got it. And he has to, I think one of the biggest flaws in this game is the avoiding the sack for someone who's supposed to be so athletic is, is him is getting sacked as much as he is. I, I think that's going to be something you have to look for to something you get, that's got to be like an immediate improvement. You know, yes. like you could talk about, the offensive line and how it wasn't very good, but someone as athletic as him shouldn't be getting sacked, you know, as much as he was, as much as it was, uh, you know, the last, you know, right. Two plus years. And, so. and me and me and Paul Arquito were just talking about this last week. Cause we did our quarterback rankings and we we're talking about Daniel Jones, but the sack rate, he had the second highest mm-hmm. sack rate in the league last year. Carson Wentz was number one. I think like fourth was Deshaun Watson and six was Russell Wilson. And what yeah. I easily said to myself was, Oh, Wow. Those sacks are not created equal. Carson Wentz is trying to play mm. hero ball to his detriment. He's trying to do too much. That's why he gets sacked. Deshaun Watson's running for his life. He's trying to win the game by himself. That's why he gets sacked. Russell Wilson yep. can extend a play more than any one man really could. That's why he gets sacked. Why does Daniel Jones get sacked? For not making decisions? For not yeah. doing enough? For not trying to be a hero? I'd rather him get sacked trying to be a hero, realistically. Or throw the ball There's away. Like- you know what I mean? He so was holding on the ball for so long, he was sacked eighteen point three percent of his time on his quick drop dropbacks of less. That's so that's less than two point five seconds, which was the second highest percentage in the NFL. It's in, so it's like, insane. It's just like just incredible, just absolutely incredible to happen into someone so as as athletic as he's supposed to be. And that's why a guy like Matt Ryan, and a guy like Tom Brady, who can't run a five zero forty at this point in their lives maybe never could (laughs) like that's why they don't get sacked like that because they have spatial awareness and they move properly rather than only having straight line speed. So I don't want to belabor that point there. I'm just nervous. And honestly, I'm a little excited for jets fans. Like I think they should be feeling at least semi-confident going into this year with nothing to lose. Kind of like the Knicks went into the the year with nothing to lose and they played their asses off every game. Now, granted, (laughs) They snuck into a four seed somehow. Like they weren't that good, but they played that good. The Jets aren't mm-hmm. going to sneak into a uh, AFC East title right now, but they can sneak into six or seven wins, and you can turn around and say, "Wow, look at this little season we had. This was exciting. We have something to build on here." Whereas if the Giants just turn around and have a nearly identical season they had last year, where the defense carries them, Daniel Jones has a few moments, but a lot of bad ones. What are we doing? We're just running the tires. We're just kicking the tires. I don't know. So, yeah, that's my point on football. I don't think I have any more else to add. Do you have anything to say on football? No, that's uh, about as best as I could have said it. (laughs) There you go. All right, so Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy and Andrew Kalanya coming up on 20 minutes. Perfect timing for us to talk Yankees and then the Mets after that. We wanted to keep it positive. I just went a little negative with the Giants there. There's no way to keep the Mets conversation positive. Uh, They're currently down 8-0 against the Giants again. That'll make it two and nine, as Andrew and I counted before the episode against the Dodgers and Giants, which are obviously two incredibly hard opponents, but two and nine in their last 11 against those guys. It's ugly. So let's keep it positive. The team that has a double digit win streak right now, the New York freaking Yankees, Andrew. We've been talking about it. You have been, and I'm going to give you credit right now, more positive than just about. Any Yankee fan who I've heard from in the past three months to the whole season, really, right? So I want to give you credit off the bat. You have been at least positive enough to point out the silver linings, point out the positives, to say this isn't over, there's opportunities for this. Though you obviously criticized and were frustrated Mm -hmm. and were pissed, but I do give you credit for having some semblance of realism, as you and I probably said, what, a month and a half, two months ago? Just wait for the Mets to be in third and the Yankees to be 10 to 15 games up or whatever. So here we are. The floor is yours. What has this run been like for you post-trade deadline, the whole nine, as the Yankees are, what what are they at now, 11 wins in a row? 
they're they're currently up five three on Atlanta in the uh, bottom of the ninth, one out. So let's see if they can. Chapman can uh, hold on to this here, and uh, yeah, they'll be they'll be eleven and zero if they uh, if they win tonight. But uh, I know I know there's been kind of like the rumblings on on Yankee fans here um, that that's ever since like the training deadline is, you know, that's what kind of sparked this this uh, you know this this better better winning streak that they've had. But I don't really think that's actually been the case. Um, you know, if you take a look at Joey Gallo's numbers as a Yankee, he's batting 148, 310 on base percentage, 358 slugging, um, and 100 plate appearances. It's only a 88 WRC plus, so that's uh, 12% worse than a league average hitter. Rizzo's uh, hitting 217, 333, 413, uh, 57 plate appearances. You know, small sample size, 100, 107 WRC plus, so slightly above average. And Andrew Haney. Uh, you know, pitching to a close to a seven ERA uh, while giving up the most home runs uh, by any Yankee pitcher tying Jeff Weaver uh, in his first five starts. Um, so, you know, those, those were the three big deadline acquisitions. Um, and, you know, all of them had like their big moments and Rizzo had that huge opening series in Miami. Gallo had some stellar defensive plays and he's had a bunch of clutch home runs. Even Haney's had that one great start against Boston, but, it's actually, I think, what's really been more responsible for this turnaround are, are the players who they've currently had that are actually starting to pull their weight more. John Carlos Stanton doing, you know, has been as hot as any hitter since uh, July. Um, Luke Voigt, since he got, uh, he came back from the injury list, he's been on a tear. He's been motivated, um, you know, by, the, I guess, the acquisition of of Rizzo you know and while I don't particularly like his comments on the there was a lot of eyes and like I you know led the league and the American League in home runs last year I did so much for this team in the last three years which are all you know valid but you know before that you were hurt three separate times and when you were healthy you weren't hitting and the Yankees had the opportunity to get a left-handed contact-oriented first uh, glove for, you know plus glove first baseman, you know, for basically nothing for a couple of, you know, low end prospects. So I, I, they had to do it. And I think, you know, the Yankees lineup is much better with, you know, both Voight and Rizzo in there. So I think, and, you know, as they've shown, they're willing to, to put judge Stanton and, uh, and Gallo in the outfield at the same time with Rizzo at first base and Voight at DH. And I feel like that's going to be like their go-to lineup come postseason time, but it's really been about, um, you know, the guys that are currently in there that are, are actually doing their job. And you're also getting contributions from um, the other, from, from lesser known players. So Andrew Velasquez, the, the Bronx native was able to doing great stuff at shortstop, even Tyler Wade playing, uh, playing great stuff. was six for six stolen bases. He was, um, you know, getting on base a ton and the bullpen's been pretty great. Jonathan Luizaga is probably arguably one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Um, Luis Keel, um, uh, three, three straight starts of no earned runs and Nesta Cortez with his, with his awesome mustache, like, uh, pitching to a two ERA and, you know, you got Cole back and Montgomery back and there's just a whole, just a whole, everybody's, everything's starting to kind of click at the same time. And, you know, I was, um, I was pretty critical of Aaron Boone and I still don't think he's a great manager, um, you know, because every time the, you know, the Yankees would get the get gut punch, you would think, okay, they're going to get off the mat and then they would get gut punched again. But then they finally, they've gotten up now and um, they're actually, you know, before we were talking about, it, they, there's no way the Yankees could possibly, you know, win the American League East. But now as of this evening, they're only four games back of the East while holding on to the top wild card spot. So it's been uh, a pretty historic turnaround here. Um, yeah. And, yeah. They've well, gone. They, they were on June 30th. They were 41 and 39, five and a half games out of the postseason, And then they go 18 and four in August. Wow. That really is off yeah. the charts and great job yeah. by you calling yourself out, but calling out every Yankee fan who's fire boon, fire boon, fire Cashman, fire, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff all the time. And I feel like I was the only one out here, the Mets fam, who's like, you don't know how good you have it. Like, I get that you don't love this guy's personality all the time, but he's come into this 
Yankees organization and won games every single year. Like, I know it sucks, and I know it took a long time to get here, and he wasn't blameless. Of course not. He deserved a good portion of blame uh, for that lackluster first half plus of the season. But now, you have to give credit where credit's due. You can't criticize him when the team's playing bad and then not give him love when the team's playing well. So, I'm all for that. Maya culpa for all you Yankee fans uh, to Aaron Boone. I'm sitting here, and I'm not going to say mea culpa because I was the only one saying, like, I get you need to fire him, but also, like, your players need to do better. Everyone sucks. Everyone's hurt. What do you want from the guy? What do you expect from the guy? So he's doing it now, and the Yankees are expected to keep doing this. They are, I think there are three games up on the on the second wild card. So mm-hmm. compounding that, there are even more games locked into the playoffs at the moment. Very impressive stuff. And quick shout-out to the CHSAA Catholic High School Leagues of New York, Andrew Velasquez, class of 2012, Fordham Prep, played against him uh, two years in a row. Short, he really? was switch-hitting shortstop yeah. from Fordham Prep, and uh, when we played him our senior year, he had already been drafted. It was like, yo, this kid's drafted. And I was like, wow, he's not that big. But yeah, oh, I was like, wow, he's silky smooth, that's short. He was a really good player. Obviously, he's good, damn good. He made it onto the Yankees. Uh, but a really cool story for all of us New York Cityites, especially you know us who played in that in that league. We got to uh, face him up close and personal. I feel like if you check the tape, I feel like we've talked about Andrew Velasquez before when he was on Baltimore. I feel like this has come yes. up if you check. I feel like I brought I that back up. In, I yeah, I think back in the um, the the old podcast name. I think that's like that, that's how far far back two three years ago um, that was. Yeah, but uh, I, I certainly remember that. And, um, you know, as a it, it, overall, the point of the Yankees, you know, as a macho man, Randy Savage once said, the cream rises to the top. And the, if the Yankees were ever going to get out of the hole, their talent was going to have to the talent that was already on the roster was going to have to um, step up mm. in a meaningful way. Um, and, you right. know, again, adding Gallo and adding Rizzo, uh, you know, definitely diversifies the lineup and gives the you know the opposite opposing managers can't just use uh that flamethrowing right-handed reliever against the the top of the order so they all serve the purpose but again as the stats of uh that i riled off before neither of them have really been um lighting the world on fire since they got here it's just been kind of an overall team effort to right. to get back up there and be in that contention again for the american league east and now they're that team that has the grit they have the energy where it's like, okay, they're in it. They're going to fight. The, all the stuff we said about the Mets in the first two months of the season where it's like, oh, they're fighting every single night. Don't count them out. Now the Mets, you count them out before the game start in the way they're playing, and the Yankees are back where they belong in the sense of being one of the more talented teams in the league. I saw a former friend of the show. Not that he's not. <laughs> that's going to come off wrong. Mm-hmm. Former co-host of the old show, Sports Blog New York Podcast, um, Joe Calabrese, he used to come on quite a bit a couple of years back, actually. I saw him tweet this, and I just wanted to get your take on it. He's obviously a bit biased as a Yankees fan, but he wrote, mm-hmm. if you don't have the Yankees number one in your power rankings, like, don't talk to me. Now, is that aggressive? Is that an aggressive thing to say because of the Dodgers and Giants, et cetera, and the Astros being right there? Or is it fair with the win streak and the way they've been playing to say, yo, this team's legit. Watch out. They're coming. Uh, I mean... You know, I, I think that's 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 a little much for for my taste. Um, you know, the Dodgers are still the best team in baseball um, until proven otherwise. And you know, say as much as you want, um, as well as the Yankees been playing. Uh, you know, do, winning all going twenty twenty eight and nine or whatever they're going. They've only gained like three or four games on the race during that time span. So like the Rays have been playing out of their world as well. So you know, until until set until they can you know step in front of them or you know they're closer uh, than they are going into and they they are playing the Rays into the, the final season series of the of the year so at Yankee Stadium um you said so wait you said they are within no they are they, they're playing they, they're, they're playing the, they're playing the last game okay. last series of the se- of the season at Yankee Stadium versus the Rays so right. they got three games so if they can, you know, make up another game or two and make it close by the end of the season, then, you know, we can talk. But uh, I don't I can't I can't say the Yankees are the top team in baseball, but they're certainly um, top five without question. There you go. And that's a good place to be at right now. 
So let's, I like to do this because we do it pretty much every baseball episode where we reset mm-hmm. our expectations, right? Like obviously you have your expectations from the beginning of the season. And as you go on throughout, you know, you, you have to change stuff. You have to reconsider mm-hmm. what your expectations are. It was a division or bust in the beginning of the season. Very quickly, it was like, oh my God, not division or bust. Let's get into the playoff picture. Then it was, all right, now we're sneaking around the playoff picture, but we're still not in it. We're definitely not going to win the division. Let's just make sure we get into a wild card spot. You get into a wild card spot and so on and so forth. Now you're in the first wild card spot and you pass the Red Sox as they fall apart. And we haven't talked about it since we've gotten to this point now. And you just alluded to the idea of winning the division. What if you had to put a percentage on it now, like, you know, just I'm going to make numbers up 20% chance. They win the division, 80% chance they make a wild card. That's, again, fake number. But how would you split that up now? Or, you know, throw in the percentage of them not making it at all, which feels unlikely. But what's your breakdown of confidence here for those three outcomes, division, wild card, or not? Uh, so uh, if I pull up, uh, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit here. I'll pull up the Fangraphs uh, playoff playoff odds here. So currently at the, at the moment, the Yankees have, uh, 27% chance of winning the division, um, 66 point uh, up from uh, 4% at, on June 30th. So that's a, that's a pretty significant jump. Uh, 66.1% uh, to win the wild card, to be the top team in the wild card, um, up from 21% on June 30th. And to make the playoffs, they're at 92.8%, um, up from uh, 51% on June 30th. So uh, their playoff odds have grown tremendously. And I, I, I think um, I probably stack, I probably, I, I say that's pretty, that's pretty good. Fangrass know what they're, they're doing, uh, I'd say. You know, I'm, I'm more than fairly confident that they'll at least make the playoffs and be one of the two wildcard teams. They have too much talent uh, otherwise. And, you know, and again, and they're still, you know, they could still possibly get Corey Kluber back. I know Severino had a setback. So Sevi, um, he might come back as a reliever. So that adds another weapon to the bullpen. Um, so, and the offense seems to be firing on all cylinders here. Um, they've actually scored five plus runs um, and, uh, six straight games for the first time uh, this season uh, coming into tonight. So, you know, everything's kind of clicking. Um, so I'm, I'm more than fairly confident they'll be one of those teams in the playoffs. But, um, you know, I feel like the Rays have to do them a little bit of favors here and not make it so that they have to sweep uh, the last series of the year to win the division. Because then you're, you're, you know, what do you do at that point? Right. Do you go all out? Do you do you go all out to try to win a division and avoid the one game wild card? And yes. if you fall short, then you don't have Cole right. to pitch that one game wild card. So it's you know it's got to be it's got to be um, you know it's got to be closer than what it currently is. You can't just go in there with just hoping to get three games. So it sounds like the the proper new expectation is host that wild card game. That's the new minimum. Yes. The new minimum, like the new floor expectation is host that wildcard game with the target school, you know, that, that Ivy league school, maybe you're going to apply to just in case they like your essay and you get in like mm-hmm. that's winning the division <laughs> for the Yankees yeah. right now. Cause it's, it's out of reach still. And if, if it was the Red Sox up there, say like the, the Rays were just not in the picture and it was the Red Sox up there playing like they're playing now, that four game uh, deficit feels a lot smaller, but with the way the Rays are playing, mm-hmm. it feels, you know, substantial enough. Yeah. And the, yeah, the Rays have a, a plus 152 run differential compared to the Yankees plus 47. So like the Rays are, you know, they're hitting really well. The Wander Franco is uh, absolutely living up to the hype of being the top prospect in all of baseball. Um, and their pitching has been, been pretty great. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to, to, to get that uh, AL East crown this year, but uh, it's not out of, it's not impossible, which, um, which certainly is what we were saying on, on June 30th. Yes. A hundred percent. Back to the, the, the point here that you made originally that I kind of want to circle back to, because I do think it's important that you're deciphering this. I haven't heard it really until you brought it up to me, this mm-hmm. idea that the trade deadline changed everything and everything that you kind of just poo pooed a little bit and said, it's not yeah. really, you know, it's not Gallo. 
It's not Andrew Haney. You can argue Rizzo made his splash and has been pretty good, uh, but he was also out for a handful of games there. Um, and you mentioned how the guys who needed to lift this team up were the guys who were already there, and they've been doing that. So could you argue with all those things being true that this team hasn't even reached full potential yet? Like if Joey Gallo starts hitting 250 in home runs and everybody else kind of stays where they're at right now, like what is like this team ceiling is the world series, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you have Joey Gallo and, and you know, Joey Gallo hitting like he did in the first half, you know, he was an all-star. And if you have Anthony Rizzo um, continue to do the things that he's doing, I mean, that's a that's an absolute and if the guys continue to play better if DJ LeMay who he had a home run tonight you know he finds power stroke a little bit um you know and stut and judge and Stanton and Voigt and Gary Sanchez continue to keep playing well I mean that's that's an absolute disgusting like one through one through seven and that's not even with you know Gio Urshela and um and Gleyber Torres who are both injured uh, I know Urshel is on uh, on his way back in uh, rehab start at the moment, but so you know this this lineup is is absolutely if it's running at full capacity, it's the it's the best in not only the American League, I think it's the best in baseball. Wow, even the Cody Bellinger batting eighth Dodgers. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they they had so many injuries, and Mookie Betts, you know, is you know he's 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 injured and when he has been he's been playing well but he's not been playing Mookie Betts superstar level and you have Bellinger who's been struggling but you know he's played better of late you know they have a they have a ton of talent but you know I I would I would put the Yankees uh healthy full firing lineup against against anybody and feel pretty good about it I love that Uh, even though Bellinger is the type of guy who you know tomorrow can hit 10 home runs in the next 13 days (laughs) like that's just who he is um, quick note to call out Alec real quick. Randy Arozarena, batting average leader on the Tampa Bay Rays, most hits on the team, uh, 275 batting average, 354 on base percentage, you know, 80, 809 OPS. Hey, not a fluke, Randy Arozarena. Not obviously the the playoff run. Who was saying that? But I was saying this guy can can play. And he's playing. Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to brag on this one, Andrew? Can I? Can I brag? Can I take a little victory lap here? That's fine. I'll you, allow it. You'll allow it. All right. I'll take it. Anytime I get to stunt on Alec a little bit, I'll take that. I'll take that yeah. opportunity. Yeah. One one twenty seven WRC plus. Um, so twenty seven percent better than the uh, league average hitter. So that's pretty good. Sounds pretty good um, to me. Yeah. Obviously not the one seventy six WRC plus for twenty twenty. Um, you know. But I think uh, for for a guy you basically got for for off the scrap heap from St. Louis, I think that's uh, you'll take you'll take that every single day. Yeah, and he's one of the you know one of the f- three to four most important players on a top tier team in the league. Mm-hmm. So pretty damn good. Absolutely good for Randy Rosarena. Not a fluke. I love to see it. All right. Um, anything else in the Yankees before we move to the Mets here? No. Before no. I start getting I mean, upset, you know, their their Yankees are actually about to. Uh, blow their five three lead against uh, Atlanta here. They got bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the night. Chapman's wild, and it's a two one count. So we'll see. We'll see if, if if you hear me if you hear me yell while you're talking here, they'll we'll uh, you'll know what happened. Feel free to interrupt me if I'm talking because I want I want to know. I don't have the game on here. Uh, the, let's so let's segue here. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Andrew Klanya, and we can even use the Braves here as a launch point to keep the conversation yeah. in realm of this game going on for a second. Braves are absolutely on fire. We thought it was going to be the Phillies who were going to run away with the NL East. We thought it was the Mets all year. They had such a big lead. Oh, wow, the Mets have this lead. Doesn't matter if they're average. They have this lead. They're going to win the division. Well, all hell's broken loose in the NL East. The Phillies went on a run. Then they came to earth. The Mets never went on a run, just continuously fell to earth. And the Braves have won. And most importantly, the Braves have dominated the teams that they're supposed to dominate. It's something that the Mets just simply cannot do. And I was looking before on um, online what the Mets do normally against the Marlins because we have some games coming up against the Marlins, nine to be exact, uh, throughout the rest of the season. And I heard Nelson Figueroa say this, the Marlins always seem to be a thorn in the Mets' side. It doesn't matter if they're 40 games below 500, a 500 team, or the first-place team in the NL East, which is very rare. 
They the Mets can never just put them away. The Mets can never do what the Yankees do to the Orioles, what the Yankees do to the Twins. They, they just never seem to do it. And the Braves came out here and just did that. They've won nine out of their last ten. They're hitting the crap out of the ball, and they're just playing great baseball. They're, the Mets are six and a half back now, and the Yankees are running into a hot team here with their win streak. The Braves, the Braves are right there too. So yeah. it's tough out here in the NL East. I don't want only to get the third only the uh, third time in Major League history going into the season where two teams uh, had nine game uh, winning streaks going in facing each other. I think it was like the first time since like nineteen like twelve or something like that. Oh wow, that's pretty yeah. that's pretty good right there. And yeah. uh, so I don't want to get too negative yet because the fork yeah. is in the Mets. It's been in the Mets. Um, there there's just no hope here, right? I mean, can you just tell me straight up? Like, is there even a reason for me to get worked up right now? Like, what is a reason for me to get worked up, for me to care? I mean, you know, as as well as the Braves have been hitting, you know, the Mets have had that just an absolute atrocious August. They've gone, I'm, I'm counting the losses here. I'm seeing 17 losses and five wins. Oh, my God. Six wins. Six, six and 17 Ooh. for the month of August. So while the Braves, you know, that's how you make up a a six game lead in like 20 in like 20 something days, basically, basically what the Yankees did, they made up, you know, a 10, a 10 game lead on, uh, on the Red Sox, uh, you know, in, in 20, 28, 29 days. And that's, that's how, that's how you get to where the Mets are. Uh, Just nothing is at, nothing's going right when they're not, you know, if they get a decent start out of someone other than Stroman or Walker, the bullpen will blow it or the offense won't show up. Uh, if they, you know, they're hanging in there with the offense, then the bullpen will blow it. Or, you know, or sometimes the starter just doesn't have it coming out of there, just not being able to get on any kind of sustainable run. And, you know, playing all those games against the Dodgers and the Giants, um, those 11 games against them in a row. That's like, that was a gauntlet. Like, and you had to hope if they were going to keep their heads above water that, you know, those 11 games so far, then maybe they would go five and six, you know, not two and nine, you know, yeah, you have with to, more L's yeah, come, no, two and 10. Now they lost to the giants tonight, two, two and <laughs> ten. you know, yeah. uh, so it's God, you know, you, you, I understand that they're they're a tough team and and some of those games were pretty close, but you have to, if you are an actual playoff contender, you find a way, you know, to dig through and and, and just keep your head above water and just, you know, unfortunately they haven't been able to do that. So, um, you know, as of uh, August, Tuesday, August 24th, 10 51 PM, uh, I will declare uh, the Mets season uh, deceased. And, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, uh, I think another nail in the coffin there was DeGrom continuing to have setback after setback. You know, you're missing your eighth, not only your ace, but the best pitcher in baseball to help kind of try to stabilize the rotation. And Syndergaard had setbacks, um, you know, the injury bug, uh, you know, kind of killed them too. So it's, uh, you know, I think at this point, if you're a Mets fan, you have to, you know, Try to try to uh, enjoy some of the, get some of the joys out of watching Pete Alonso play every day because he's still fun to watch. Lindor is uh, finally to, back. Yeah, you know, Baez, even though he had that really that horrendous swing, um, <laughs> that I'm sure that's all over TikTok and Instagram. And yeah. he was he was guessing he was guessing fastball and it didn't even bother looking at the ball out of the pitcher's hand. He knew he was just swinging. He's like fastball, I'm going to swing. And then it was a changeup, and he was six feet out. Uh, uh, the bat was behind his uh, shoulder and in his swing before the ball went uh, over the plate. So, yeah. Um, so you I, just try to get your, try to get your enjoyments out of watching those players play and see what you can build upon and figure out what will work and what won't work for 2022. So they have 14 games coming up over the next half, uh, next couple of weeks with the Marlins and the nationals. The only way for them to play meaningful baseball throughout the end of September is if they go like 12 and two against them. <clears throat> and I have no confidence for them to do such a thing. And, and yeah. the note on DeGrom is important. And I want to uh, expand on that. <clears throat> excuse me a little bit here. We always talk about pitchers and their impact. And obviously DeGrom 
one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in baseball, his impact is even more so, right? But what his impact means is not just what he does on the seven to nine innings he's out there every five days. It's the difference between DeGrom being followed by Stroman and Taiwan Walker rather than Stroman and Taiwan Walker being followed by nobodies, right? That's the difference. The difference is the gravity. It's almost like a, a jump shooter in basketball or a deep threat in football. Like Odell Beckham being on the outside helps the receiver, like help, helped Sterling Shepard in his early uh, season get some more easy looks in the middle, right? DeGrom being the starting pitcher in the first game of a series helps the second and third pitcher in that series because of the flow, the rhythm, the reports that you can get on those on those hitters and seeing where to attack. Obviously, you can't do what DeGrom does, but it helps. And, and that showed itself more so this year than ever, where there was no stopper, even though Stroman has been pretty solid. Uh, even with all the L's he's taken this year on the win-loss, he's been a solid pitcher. Tyler Walker's been not good lately, but following DeGrom and having Taiwan Walker versus depending everything on Taiwan Walker is a completely different just existence for a baseball team. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, and I don't think it was a front office thing either. It wasn't that the Mets didn't go out and, and get players and, you know, at the beginning of the season, they looked pretty good and be, you know, just the injury bug has, has hit this team and probably just as hard as anybody else in, in baseball, you know? So it's, I, I'm not going to blame it all on injuries. You know, obviously Dom Smith is not having the year we all thought he was going to have. And, um, you know, I had low expectations for James McCann's bat going into the year, but he even, he hasn't even exceeded uh, those low expectations, JD Davis has been hurt, you know, Nimmo's getting on base and he's doing his thing, but you know, and Conforto has been probably the, the most disappointing uh, player in the entire national league. And, yeah, in baseball. What, in, he's been yeah, terrible. Yeah. So, you know, and he's, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So uh, I think there was like a, there was a meme. There was like an office meme with Steve Cohen. He was like, uh, Michael Ford, you're not getting a qualifying offer this this season. Boom, roasted. Uh. <laughs> it's true. It's been really ugly for Mike Conforto. And what I what I think about with the the Mets in comparison to the Yankees here is with the Yankees with their lackluster first sixty percent of the season where they were playing basically five hundred baseball. They had these little stretches of being a dominant team, and then they fell mm-hmm. back to earth and they played bad again. And they looked they looked just defeated even or deflated, whatever it may be. But they had these runs where like this team is good, they're just not playing well. The Mets haven't really had a stretch run where you're like, wow, this team is good and they're playing well. They haven't had it. It's like you just haven't seen the highs for them at all. They haven't hit at all. So that brings me to my my last question here on the Mets. The situation, and obviously this is a couple days old now, um, but that's what happens in the world of baseball podcasting. The, mm-hmm. St- the Steve Cohen situation with what he tweeted, where he tweeted like, Yes, we know we're not hitting. Yes, we know this is bad. But whatever you know, you know the tweet I'm talking about. Yeah, the OPS tweet. Like I, I don't know how a, a team can have such a low OPS. Right. You know how you know. Can, I I don't know. So he went off on that. So my question to yeah. you is, in my opinion, he said that to try to be one of the guys. That's one of the things Steve Cohen has to figure out over his tenure of owning this team. He can't always try to be the likable owner, Uncle Steve, oh, the fans love me because I get it, I'm like them, because you have to care about the the 25 guys on your roster. And that sucks hearing that as a player. Now, Lindor absolutely crushed his response to Steve Cohen's tweet when he said, listen, we know we've been bad at that. We know our numbers are bad. I haven't played anything to what I'm capable of on offense. He's like, we know that. He's like, it didn't hurt my feelings because I know it's true. And we all have known it's true the entire time. And Steve Cohen has set the tone the entire time, so we expected it. But in general, is this something that can come back to bite Steve Cohen? Trying to be one with the fans, where the fans are going to be like, oh, Steve, you're the best. You get it. You're like us, blah, blah, blah. Like, is that something that can come back to bite him truly, where the players on this roster are so unappreciative 
of what's going on upstairs. Like when, when he points the finger at the team, is there more fingers being pointed back at him by those players? I, I think on one hand, you know, I think as a fan, you want to see the person who's ultimately making the decisions being as un, unhappy with the results on the field as you are. That's, that's one side of the, that's one side of the coin. I think that's a, that's a positive you take as your fan, but if you're looking at it as a player, I'm not sure if it was that much of a derogatory comment. It wasn't uh, really directed at a single person. And I think the Mets know that they're underperforming. Um, so I think it's more of you kind of roll your eyes at it rather than, um, then take offense to it. And I don't think anyone, I, I think you could see right through it. If you're, you're a player in that Mets locker room, that's not, that's not, you know, I think it's not them, not, it's not him trying to fire up the team. It's not him trying to, trying to get an emotional response. I don't like trying to be George Steinbrenner. And I feel like I've seen that kind of comparison over the last week or two. It's like, it's kind of like if George Steinbrenner had, uh, Twitter. Imagine if right. that happened in the in the eighties and nineties. Like, you know, George Steinberg would have said some awful shit, and he would have got banned uh, from <laughs> yeah. from Twitter. Like, he would have he would have you know he called he called Hideki Arabu to the press a fat toed pussy. Like, you know. <laughs> so imagine imagine that guy on Twitter. So yeah. I think um, the the pushback on on that pushback was that. Steinbrenner is the type of guy who walked in the locker room and said it right to their face. Yeah, exactly. And, if if you have to, if if you're saying it on Twitter, make sure that you're also going down to the locker room and you're letting your presence be known that you're not just hiding behind your tweets. That you're also willing to stand in front of these, you know, these these men and professional athletes, and you know, and say the same things that you're saying on Twitter to their face. Right. Which it sounded like, based off Lindor's response, is that that's been all made aware to them throughout all their struggles. So that makes me feel better. The Lindor's response made me feel a lot better, and I just, I love him. How do you not love that guy? He just said straight up, he's like, listen, I haven't played good at an offense at all. I've been bad. He's like, you can't talk about my defense. Can't talk about my base running. He's like, but offensively, I have been disappointing. I'm disappointed. And I'm like, damn, this guy's just, man, he just gets it. He's the, he's the man. So shout out to Lindor. Hopefully he can come back and actually play, right? So let's, yeah. let's just talk about this one last thing here. With where they're at now, and what we expect to be a whatever end of season where maybe they bring it within a couple of games, but they're probably going to come up short from the playoffs anyway. Like, even if things go decently well. Next season, is there reason to believe that this offense that was so highly touted coming into the season can actually be better? Or does there have to be some pretty legit overhauls? Because when you think about this roster, you expect McNeil back, you expect Smith, you know Alonzo's back, you know Lindor's back. Who knows what happens with Baez and Conforto? But is there a reason to believe this team's offense can get back to the expected offense they were supposed to be this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's I, I hope Lindor comes back and he ends the season on a high note. So you have that um, that optimism going into next season. But I mean, I, I the first year of the Francisco Lindor, um, you know, contract is probably about as bad as it can get. Um, and I think obviously that. Lindor is only 20 he's still in his uh mid to late 20s so there's there's you know he's gonna play like the guy in the back of his baseball card um you know it's a bad first year you know you have to think that he's gonna be better going forward um McNeil struggled as uh you know pretty bad early in the season he's picked it up uh a little bit as uh as a second half has gone on so you're a little more optimistic about him again I don't have a ton of faith in uh McCann as a catcher but again yeah uh, you know if you can just play just a slightly a little bit better I think you're I think you're going to be okay there until you know Alvarez uh, their top uh, hitting their top overall prospect uh starts knocking on the door and it feels like he could be there um you know if things all go well uh second half of 2022 so and you got Alonzo and you have uh you know, uh, Nimmo setting the table for them. And I'm not sure if Don Smith will be on the team either next year. Um, depends if the NL gets the universal DH, Which you know, supposed you, to. you're going to have, 
you're going to have uh, that question of Robinson Cano coming back next year. Yeah. Who knows when he's going to be at, <laughs> at 39 years old. Or How many they, more years you know, he got on his just, contract? Yeah, I'm sure. Does he have a couple? Uh, I think he's got, I think he's got two more years oh after. I forgot after about him. This one. I forgot yeah. about him. Hey, I mean, he, he forgot about. He hit pretty good last know? year in the bubble season. I mean, he was on, he was doing, he was doing performance <laughs> enhancing drugs. Hey, 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 that doesn't, does that matter? <laughs> like, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's a free agent in 2024. So you got him for another two seasons. Uh, That's kind of hilarious, actually. Who, who the hell signed? The, the Mariners are crazy. They signed him through 40 years, 41 years old. What a yeah. psycho thing to do. What a, and then the well, Mets I mean, just traded him. That was him. the only way they were getting him there uh, yeah, away from true. the Yankees. And the Yankees offered him like, I don't know, the like 175 million dollars and then the mariners just like blew the doors off and went like 225 for 10 the yankees like oh yeah we're good yeah yeah that worked out well for the mariners (laughs) well i guess maybe it did if clinic becomes sick maybe it did even though that was more of an edwin diaz vehicle anyway but uh yeah i don't know exactly i don't know but i i think i think there's i think there's reason to to believe you know in the Mets again next year, if you have, you know, even if Syndergaard comes back and he just shows you like a little bit that he's, that he's just ends the season like healthy, you know, you still have your, your two top pitchers or is it, or actually is a uh, Syndergaard a free agent at the end of the year? I don't I, know. I, I actually don't I, know. I, I, I think so. Actually, hold on. Check. Yeah, no, he's a free agent. Uh, 2022. So next year is his last, uh, last year. Um, no, actually signed through 2021. So yeah, he's a free agent uh, this soft season as well. So you know they have some question marks, but the the Mets have the at least decent pitching depth uh, internally. If they don't even if they let Syndergaard walk, you still have Degrom, you still have Peterson, who I'm still a big believer in, and you still have a farm system that has been able to churn out pitchers when when needed, even though you know they haven't exactly been the stoppers that they've needed, but right. I, they've shown. You, the guys that they have brought up have shown glimpses of promise here and there. So, um, right, you know, plus you have an owner that's willing to uh, spend and address some of the issues that they're having. So, um, you know, I, I expect the Mets to be back in it um, as a, you know, a, at least a contender for the NLE's crown uh, next year. <sighs> Feels like a long ways away. It really does. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I appreciate you saying that. It does make me feel a little better, but... As a Mets fan, and Jets fans know this, Knicks fans know this, it just doesn't seem to happen like that. It just doesn't seem to go down in such a manner. So I, I'm, I'm with you. There's reason to believe. I'm just not with you with actually believing that much. It, it really, it really hurts. But uh, let's see. Let's see how they end the season. Let's yeah. see. You know. You know if they, they if they turn the around. Play, if they, if they if they play decent, if they play pretty well in September, if they you know if they win more games than they lose, they show a little fight. They uh, you know Lindor hits hits well. I think you know you can have that uh, Dom Smith walk off home run to to end the year mm. of them not making the playoffs and having that optimism going into you know 2022. There I think or or they could just roll over and. Uh, <laughs> And ha- and go sixteen, go Ugh. six and seventeen in the the month of September, Ugh. and uh, and just completely, <laughs> and completely uh, ruin, uh, have such a real bad taste in your mouth going into the off season. It, it could go either way. Flip a flip of a coin. Uh, now I feel terrible. <laughs> now I feel terrible. Oh man. Anyways, this is Subway Sports Talk. This has been great. I guess I don't know. I'm 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 just like <laughs> numb over here. I think a week or two ago, I was all worked up about how bad their quality of at-bats are. That doesn't feel better. It feels worse. I mean, actually, that's not completely true. They put together some good at-bats in the Giants and Dodgers series. They just didn't get the wins. But, like, tonight, just zero runs, just bad at-bats. It just sucks. It it hurts. And what are you going to do? You're going to complain, and we're going to wait and see what happens. We're going to watch what happens next year. So, Andrew Kalanya of Subway Sports Talk, do you have any last words for us here as we say goodbye? Uh, the Yankees pulled off that W, um, so they won five to four, won twelve straight. Uh, they've uh, won thirteen of their last fourteen series. Their only loss was uh, that uh, four game setup in Boston when they lost three of four. But uh, the last fourteen series, they've all won against Seattle, Houston, Boston, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Miami, Baltimore, Seattle, Kansas City, Chicago, Boston, Minnesota, and Atlanta. Wow. Um, so There's one more to some go. Bad teams in there for sure, but some pretty good teams. 
as well. And one, uh, one more to go in Atlanta? Think, yeah. Right? One, hmm? one more to go? No, for, they, 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 they swept the series. That was, yeah. They only played two. There you go. Now they're, now they're going, uh, they're off tomorrow and they're going off to Oakland. They're off on a Wednesday? Yeah. That's real weird. weird. That's real weird. I don't like that at all. Anyways. All right. Subway Sports Talk. I think that's all we got for today. I will use my last words, as I often do, to let you know what's coming soon. Just talk to my guy, Patty Boyle. Pat Boyle. WFAN's Pat Boyle. Debut show. Subway Sports Talk's own. Boyle and Shen Show's own. WFAN's own Pat Boyle with a debut on the WFAN airwaves last weekend. I was unable to listen because I was up in the woods with no service. And it was at 2 a.m., but he crushed it. I listened back a little bit. I talked to him last night. He is returning to Subway Sports Talk this fall to talk football. We're going to come back with preview stuff starting in a week and just hammering out every week from then on. If you remember last year, every week of the regular season, the playoffs, we broke down the games we just saw. We gave picks before the weekend, and we're going to be doing the same exact thing again with my boy Patty Boyle. I look forward to it greatly. And, of course, a real playoff situation for New York baseball where we can get excited about the New York Yankees in it to win it. Let's see where they end up. Some great baseball to come in the Bronx, and we'll see about the Queens, as I like to call it. (laughs) Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Pete Kennedy, Andrew Kalanya. Thanks for listening. Cheers. See ya.